picture of your Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. You can be seated this evening. I get a picture of him standing in the boat <laughs> and speaking to the seas and telling them, peace be still. And then I, I get a picture of him telling me I can do the same thing. He said, just as I do. Now do, he said, I'm going, but do just what I did. Do what I did. Amen. And so I see myself speaking to the sea as well. Amen. I see myself speaking to the sea and, and, and telling it to be quiet. <laughs> the storms of life. Amen. The storms of life. Because they're going to come. They're going to come. Uh, you know, it, it said in the word of God where the wise man built his house on the rock and then the foolish man built his house on the sand. The storm came to both. 
Just because he built his house on the rock doesn't mean the storm didn't come. It came. And so the same storm came to the one on the sand and the one on the rock, his house. But what stood? The one that was built on the rock. And that rock is the solid ground of the word of God. And so that's what we build our lives on. Amen. If we'll build our lives on the solid ground, it doesn't matter what storm comes. Amen. It doesn't matter how hard the wind blows and beats. My uh, granddaughter liked the story when she was young of the three little pigs and the wolf. You know, you know the story, the three little pigs and the wolf, and I'll huff and I'll puff. You know it. I see your eyes. And I'll blow your house down. <laughs> and so the wolf kept doing that, and she would tell us the story. Three little pigs, you know. And so finally, you know, he said, I'll huff. And, and there was one house he just couldn't. He couldn't blow, huff, and puff that house down. And so that's my house. <laughs> That's my house. The enemy has no opportunity. Amen. That's the house that we build when our foundation is on the word of God. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Glory to God. So this evening, I just want to take a few moments. And oh, you know what I did? Oh, this is awesome, Maria. So I have, I, took, I brought down with me the words of a song that they did on Sunday. So I'm going to be out of your purview for a moment. I got to get my... <laughs> I left my notes up here, and I brought down the words to the song. That's wonderful. Okay. I guess that's what we're going to teach today. If I could find my notes. Oh, Lord. This is fun. All right. And so um, I just want to take a few minutes and just kind of talk about something that we started a little bit of it when we uh, were during morning prayer again on uh, yesterday, actually. I feel like it was like two weeks ago, but it was yesterday. And so uh, I want to just talk about that for a minute. And it's out of Psalm chapter 50. So if you joined us for prayer, this, some of this might be a repeat. But um, I said this scripture on Sunday. And since Sunday, it, it, and it was just real quick when I said it. And, but it stayed with me. And I've been talking to the Lord about it and just kind of meditating on it. And so he's showed me, he's given me more light concerning this verse. And it was a song that we used to sing when I was a kid. Joan, you'll remember the song, too. Uh, Joe, you'll probably remember it, too. Uh, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth this conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. And then Daddy would go, in him we live <laughs> and move. Yeah, so we'd go into all kinds of songs. It could be a whole melody. But uh, that song, and to him that ordereth, I was standing here, and those words, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. And so I've just been, that scripture has just been working in my heart. And so uh, I was led to go back there on Monday and Tuesday while I was studying in the morning. And uh, I just want to read uh, Psalm chapter 50, verse 16. Uh, it says, and, and this is not a real, uh, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Classic. This is not a real uh, edifying uh, few verses, but we'll, we're going to read them uh, because we're going to get to the edifying verse. Uh, it's, so Psalm chapter 50 
verse 16, it says, But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to recite my statues or take my covenant or pledge on your lips? Seeing that you hate instruction and correction and cast my words behind you, discarding them. When you see a thief, you associate with him, and you have taken part with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil, and your tongue fame, uh, frames deceit. That's interesting. Your tongue frames deceit. That's just um, who is the deceiver, the enemy. And so uh, there are individuals who will yield to that. And so they yield to that deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. Now, if we have to say your mother's son, so your own sibling? <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, these things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought I was once entirely like you, but now I will reprove you and put the charge in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. <laughs> okay, and so uh, we know who devours, that's the enemy. And so we give him opportunity is what he's saying there. Uh, and then uh, verse 23, it says, he who brings an offering of praise and thanksgiving honors and glorifies me. And he who orders his way aright, who prepares the way that I may show him, to him I will demonstrate the salvation of God. And so that's the amplified classic of that. But uh, it's interesting to me, and this, this is where we're going with this, but it's interesting to me, you know, it's humorous kind of to me that the Lord uh, would have my platform or my message, you know, in my business and in, you know, even as a pastor, uh, to focus on growth. Uh, you know, it's humorous to me because this child here <laughs> who looks like the height of, I blend in with every, you know, 10-year-old in the world and uh, as far as my height is concerned. And, you know, if it wasn't for modern technology in the car that the seat goes up and down, I'd be sitting on 10 phone books to drive, you know, and maybe not driving because I, then I can't reach the pedal. So this person who has never experienced a natural growth spurt that the doctor kept telling me was coming, it just went zoop, bypassed me, is, is, is talking about growth and considers growth to be important. In my business, it's personal growth. And so, uh, you know, growing myself on the inside. When I found out that I control, I control <laughs> how much I grow and how fast I grow, I was excited because I can't control it on the outside. Everybody kept telling me, you'll be at least five, you know, she said at first, as tall as your mother, 5'1". I'm like, that's tall. 5'1". <laughs> I'm like, woohoo, 5'1". Then they were like, mm, you might be five feet. I'm like, five feet? I'll take five feet. That's tall. No, 4'11 and a half. Don't take the half away. And so I'm 59 and a half inches. And I tell the doctor, all the time, no, no, check it again. Then the girl, I'm like, check it again. Put the half in there. And so growth is important, but we control how much we grow uh, personally and, uh, it, you know, with our per personal and professional development. We also control how much we grow spiritually. God doesn't control that. He put that control in our hands. And that's what we're going to just look at quickly. Uh, out of this verse, it's like, how do we get there to, to, to grow in Psalm chapter 50? Uh, but uh, it's interesting. Uh, when I found that out, that I control it, it became exciting for me. And now I want to grow every day. And you can grow every day. Every day. It's not like natural growth that takes a long time to grow. You know, you have to, uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. But you have to pr eat proper nutrition, though. 
and you have to eat proper nutrition uh, to grow spiritually. And that is the word. We feast on the word uh, by, by taking that in. Well, it's the same with personal growth. If I want to grow in a particular area, if I know nothing of, we'll say, the stock exchange, but I want to learn about that because I want to grow my portfolio. Uh, I got to go to the source. I got to read books concerning that. I, I've got to listen to people who are experts in the field. And so I'm probably going to have to pay some money to sit at people's feet and do that. I have to look at the manuals they provide. I have to be watching the stock market. I have to do, there's stuff I have to do if I'm going to grow in that. But they said if you'll spend one hour a day for five years, one hour per day, five years, you will be an expert in whatever field you study. One hour a day. We can be experts in knowing God. <laughs> if we'll spend one hour a day, you know, for, we can become experts in, in whatever subject. And uh, it's been proven. I have a, a, a mentor who was a high school dropout, you know, no, not even high school, less than that. And, and he has owned, I don't know how many multi-billion dollar businesses uh, because he started a cleaning business and then he sell, sold it. And so, uh, and then several others, and he's still a billionaire today. And so uh, he didn't, he studied human behavior, had no school for human behavior, and now he is an expert in the field. And so whatever it is, if I want to know it, I have to go to the source. And so for spiritual growth, it starts in the word of God. Uh, we don't grow without that. And so we read there in Psalm chapter 50, verse 16 to 22, he's addressing the words and behaviors of the wicked. And he clarifies that for us. He says, these are the wicked. And so he clarifies that. And it reminded me of Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew chapter 15, we read this recently, uh, but I'll, I'll read it if verse 6 to 9. It says, for the sake of your tradition, the rules handed down by your forefathers, you have set aside the word of God, depriving it of force and authority and making it of no effect. You pretenders, hypocrites, admir admirably and truly did Isaiah admirably. That's the word, admirably. And truly did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, These people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts hold off and are far away from me. Uselessly do they worship me, for they teach as doctrines the commands of men. And they were participating in all the necessary ceremonial observances. They were doing everything uh, right that was passed down from the ancestors. They were doing that. They were showing up outwardly and going through the motions. But their heart, which God requires, was distant. It says it was far from them, from him. And so they said they knew him and brought their sacrifices of praise and worship. But this was just an activity. It was just something to do. There was no faith in their actions because, again, their heart was not connected or engaged, and faith is of the heart. Faith originates in our heart, and their heart was not engaged. And so they had no concern for God's presence or for his fellowship. Uh, they were just wanting to get done what they knew they needed to get done. Uh, it was a religious observance tradition, and God knew this. Why? Because God sees the heart. He sees the heart of an individual. And he said their worship was in vain. This word is not authentic, <laughs> not real. Their worship has no purpose. It's pointless 
and fruitless. Those are, that's harsh there. <laughs> you know, here they are doing that. I don't ever want the Lord to say that about my worship to him. I don't ever want him to say, well, I hope you're happy, but that's fruitless. <laughs> that produced nothing. That did nothing for me. <laughs> and, you know, and it's not authentic or you didn't mean that, you know, because my heart wasn't engaged. Uh, and we talked about our heart being engaged in how we know, you know, the whole proposal thing. <laughs> you know, when you, someone, a man proposes to someone, he goes all in. And his heart is engaged. If he's over there eating a sandwich and, you know, thinking about sports or something, that ain't going to work. <laughs> That's not, his heart's not in it. And so he may get a no. Uh, but, you know, the fact that his heart is engaged tells us that's why he gets hurt when they say no. You know, when he hears a no, he doesn't go, all right, good, I'll go find someone. No, he says, I'm hurt because I put my whole heart in this. What's wrong? He wants to find out what happened. Where did I go wrong? How can I do it right and say get a yes? How do I get a yes? And so because his heart is engaged. Well, that's how we ought to be worshiping the Lord. It's not a small matter for the Lord to say that was fruitless, your worship. It's not a small matter. Uh, I'm not willing to forfeit the benefits of true worship, worship from the heart, of praise from the heart. Uh, I want the Lord to enjoy my worship. I want him to enjoy our time of fellowship just as I do. I want him to enjoy that. I want to experience the full flow of his presence, his anointing, his power, his victory, his wholeness, and all of these things are benefits of praise and worship. And so when I don't go wholeheartedly into it, I miss all of that. I forfeit those things. I'm not willing to do that. I'm going to be here doing it, right? And if I'm at home, I take the time to do it. I, I, I want to make sure my heart is engaged. And so then we see in verse uh, 16, it calls these individuals who were saying the right words. They were saying the word of God. Now it's switched from, you know, praise and worship. And now it's saying they were reciting what I said. So now these people were confessing the word of God. They were reciting what he said. But, and, and they spoke his words, but their heart was not in agreement with the words they were saying. They were not in agreement. And so they didn't do what the words instructed them to do. And instead, they quickly aligned with those who were opposed to the word. That's what he's saying here in Psalm chapter 50 in verse 16 when it says, you know, how dare you is basically what he's saying. How can you recite my words and then you just go align right there with thieves and adulterers and all. And he's, so they were not in, their heart was not engaged or in agreement with what they were saying, with the words that they were saying. But then... Uh, we see in verse 23, in the King James, it says, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Hallelujah. And this is now talking about someone whose heart is in his praise and thanksgiving. Uh, one definition of praise is confession and thanksgiving. It is confession. And so uh, you could say this person, uh, their heart was in what they were confessing or professing to God. And the result is that they changed their course and their behaviors changed. And if you notice, it says, uh, we do this. 
not God. It says, and to him who orders his conversation aright or his way aright. I looked this up in the Hebrew uh, uh, lexicon, and it says of the word ordereth or orders, he who places his way or he who has turned his way or who has changed his course. He that disposes his way or to him that prepares or plans his way or he who is attentive to his going, who seeks to walk in the right path. That's what that ordereth is, ordereth, when it says he ordereth and to him that ordereth. That's what that means. He seeks to walk in the right path. The word conversation, yes, it involves words, but it's more than that. It's a way or manner of life. And we know this because things that we think of uh, repeatedly and things that we, we begin to say those things repeatedly, they start coming out of our mouth. And then whatever we hear so much of and, and whatever we uh, think becomes a part of our belief system. Now it is the way I believe. And we talked about this uh, on prayer. You know, kids, they're very, uh, there's their formidable years when they start understanding and they start, you know, hearing things. The things that they experience and the words that we say as adults around the children, that forms their belief system. And your belief system is what will drive all of your behaviors. You believe this way, so you act this way. So I believe this, 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 so I act this way. And so that's why he says here, and to him, that's why it includes conversation, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright. So my words are aligned to his ways, and my actions are aligned to his ways. I'm prepared to go in the way that he shows me. And so he lives, and then it says this, uh, the word conversation also means that he lives orderly, not disorderly like the world does, <laughs> by chance. Like, okay, if it happens, it happens. No, we live by order. And I, I always like to pray, come into divine order, into divine alignment, uh, because I want to be divinely aligned or aligned with him who is divine <laughs> and his plan for me. And so uh, when things get out of order and there is disorder, who's the author of disorder? It says that the devil is the author of confusion. And so he is the author of disorder. And so when you hear that term disorder, we hear disorders a lot. They're, they're diagnosing disorders by the minute. There's a new disorder every time. Who's the author of that? The enemy. Does that mean the devil lives in me? No. <laughs> if you have the spirit of God on the inside of you, the, the devil can't live on the inside of your spirit. He can't touch your spirit if you have the spirit of God in you. Now, he can't touch your mind. He can make suggestions and try to uh, tell you and lead you in this way. And so your mind is why God tells us to renew it so that our spirit, func our mind will function the way it needs to to support our spirit. When our spirit says we're doing this, our mind decides, yes, we are. And then the body comes into agreement because we discipline it. No. And it's so simple. It could be simple. You know, the word tells us if we... Uh, know to do something and we don't do it, it's sin. It says to the person who knows what they're supposed to do and doesn't do it, it's sin. 
So God may deal with me on something. Like something, I use, I use this illustration all the time because it's simple and people can understand. God may tell me, I want you to stop eating sweets. Is eating sweets a sin? No. No. They don't eat sweets. But, I, you know, because if it does things to the body and that kind of thing. But if the Lord told me, I, I want you to not eat and touch that sweet. First of all, I'd probably cry and to ask him, can you just tell me why? <laughs> can you explain to me why? <laughs> I, need, I need maybe you appear to me in a red hat so I know it's really you because I just want to make sure, you know, because sweets make me happy. And so, <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I want you to stop sweets. Well, if I don't do that, that's sin. And you say, Eating sweets isn't a sin if the Lord told me not to eat it. Adam and Eve did the same thing in the garden. They just ate a piece of fruit. What's wrong with the piece of fruit? You know, I don't know what kind it was. You know, we say apple. All they did was eat a piece of fruit. Well, God told them not to. There's nothing wrong with eating fruit. You can eat all kinds of fruit. But that one God told them not to. You know, we think of sin as I stole something from the store, you know, I, I swore, I did this. I, no, something that God tells us to do that I don't do is sin to me. Now, that doesn't mean I go around and go, you should not eat sweets. The Lord says don't eat sweets. No, he told Maria not to do that. He didn't tell them, you know, it may be watching. You may not be able to watch certain things because when you do, your heart goes, mm -mm, not good. Don't watch it. Well, they may be able to watch it and be just fine because their heart doesn't condemn them. It's not sin to them, but it's sin to you. Now, we should always stay away from things that, you know, there are things in the word. There is a definitely a black and white. People say it's great. No, it's not great. But there are things the word of God tells us to stay away from, and there are things that he tells us to do. Uh, but then there are those, like, little things, like the cookies, you know, like those things. And he may say, I want you to live long. And your body does not handle those things well. And so if you do that, you're going to cut off the flow of health and healing in your life. And so I want you to stop. And so then you, you have a choice to make. And he empowers you to make that choice. If I say, yes, Lord, anytime I say, yes, Lord, I want to live long and strong, I get his empowerment. I have the Holy Spirit who will help me do it. I don't have to do it by myself. I don't have to say no by myself. I can, you know, say yes because I'm empowered to do it if he tells me to do it. But if I don't do it, then it's sin. And that is uh, very interesting to me <laughs> because there are a lot of things that he may do that with. And the more you grow, the more you separate from things that you used to do. Uh, the things you used to do when you first got saved felt okay to you. But then the more you grow in him, the more those things start to hinder your growth with him. And I want to show you this, uh, the latter half uh, verse 23, what he showed me on this. The latter half of that says, And to him who orders his way aright, who prepares the way that I may show him, to him I will demonstrate the salvation of God. And, and this is the kind of life that pleases and honors God. And that's what we're talking about. Um, it says in one translation, well, a few, it's, and if you look at it, the original, it says, I'll instruct him 
and make him to know my salvation by experience, not just from time to time, but to possess it eternally. That's what that verse there, when it says, I will show him myself. Well, I'm already saved. I don't understand. Okay, great. So you'll show me the salvation of God. All right, yep, he'll show me the way of salvation. That's, but is it that confessing with my mouth? No, it's about instructing us further in the way of salvation. And the more I grow, the more he can instruct me further. And so uh, what will he instruct me on? Well, the first thing is, okay, I just got saved. Now he's going to instruct me on how, what that means. What does it even mean? <laughs> and so I receive his instruction from the word, maybe by reading myself. Or maybe I have someone who's discipling me. Like Mr. Ivan shared, uh, dad would give him John chapter 1. Start at John chapter 1. And then Ivan, I heard a couple times when we were in the other building, Ivan would come back and report. So I read John chapter 1. I really like John chapter 1. Now what do I read? You know, and he would, they would, he discipled him in how to read the word. And the word began to speak to him. Now it may not have made sense on all of it. And he may not have picked up on the revelation of light that he shared the other day you know what I mean like he he picked up on that revelation and but when he first read it he may not have seen that he may just have said oh you know Jesus is uh I see in the beginning was the word okay that's good that's good it, it may he may not fully understand that but the more he gives into that the more he sets his time to do that the more the Holy Spirit on the inside will begin to enlighten him and make it more real. And then his understanding comes up. You can't teach a four-year-old what you can teach a 40-year-old. You can't. And spiritually, it's the same way. You can't teach someone who just got saved about, let me tell you about the mark of the beast. I mean, that's just scary for them. <laughs> you know, the beast that comes up out of the water at the end time. You know, we can't, we can't go there with them. You know, you have to disciple them. And the best place to start is John. John chapter 1, John's revelation uh, that he wrote uh, in John uh, about Jesus being the light and all of the, oh my goodness, it's such power in that revelation. And it will help someone who just got saved. And it's easy because then you see the miracles of Jesus. Uh, I know some preachers who got saved and then they decided they were going to take months, like three to eight months, some of them, to just spend time with the Lord. They had a calling on their life and they heard it to separate themselves one closed up his auto body shop he closed it up and he said don't bother me he told his family just come get me to eat and I'm going right back in and he listened to the word of God and he said he would run out <laughs> he would read the word he'd run out he goes did you know that Matthew Mark Luke and John are all the same practically it's the same story in Matthew as it is in Mark. it's all like he said he didn't he didn't know. He had no idea that all the Gospels were the same, but they each wrote their account. He, well, he didn't know that. Well, now he's teaching that. And some. <laughs> the revelation that the Lord. But that's where he started. And so if we'll allow the Lord to instruct us and show us, first he shows us the way. He is the way. And so he shows us, okay, you're saved. You're going to heaven. Let me show you and instruct you some more. So if we'll give him time to do that, he'll instruct us further. He'll instruct us further. And so he'll continue to instruct us from the manual. 
right? There's a manual, there's a book if I want to learn about the stock exchange. Well, if I want to learn about my salvation and its benefits, what I have because of my union with Jesus, I have to find it in his word. I find it in his word, not apart from him, but in his word. So the more I give him the opportunity to instruct us, to instruct me, reading his word, attending church, meditating on his word, listening to faith-building messages, the more I'll grow, the more I'll see an increase in the flow of the things that he has given me and he's provided for me. And so uh, he can only instruct us, though, as far as we allow him to. I may be reading his word, and like I said, like he, he may prompt me. You, you see that right there. Uh, the minister just said that, or you just read that uh, at home by yourself. And you say, huh, how come I'm not seeing this in my life? How come, how come I see this here, but I don't see that in my life? I've got a lot of problems. I don't understand how I can have peace and rest. Why? Why can't I have that? And so he'll instruct you if you'll ask him. Instead of skipping over it and dismissing it and going, oh, well, I guess it's for some and not for others. Or if the Lord wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. You'll never have peace and rest if that's what we do. Well, Lord, if you want to give me peace and rest, go ahead and give it to me. No, that's not how this works. <laughs> That's not how this works. You know, I have to look for it. I got to see, how do I get peace and rest? The, he gives you, and it's not a formula. It's straight in there. <laughs> it tells you how to get peace. He will show you why you don't have it, and he will show you how. Listen, there are some things that we go through in our lives. I was thinking, me and Eric were talking about this the other day. And they may not be really good things at all. They may be really troubling things. And we pray. And our expectation is that the Lord stop that right now in our lives. That's our expectation. We're telling him, you need to make that stop and change it and fix it. <laughs> That's when we pray, Lord, I, you see that? Stop it. Well, that may not be the answer for us. The answer for us may, it, it's supposed to be that I have this peace whether that's going on or not. What are you going to do with all that? going on? Are you going to let it from, go from there to here, to all around you, and then to in you? Are you going to let all that come in you? And if you do, you're going to be miserable and complain. And now you, it's, gonna, it's just going to overtake you and eat you up. And so the Lord might say, no, learn of me and my ways. What did he say about his ways? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Well, this does not feel light and easy. And he'll tell you, because it's not from me. It's not from me. This was not orchestrated from me. It was not authored by me. It was not authored for you. But you're tolerating it. You're receiving it. And so he'll instruct you on how to have peace, even with that going on. That doesn't have to stop for me to have peace. In that time, I say, I'm not even going to pay attention to that. I'm going to give you my attention so you can continue to instruct me in your way. Instruct me in your way. What do we do when this happens? What do we do now? What do I do now when this happens? Because you see it. <laughs> you see it. Okay, I'm keeping my eyes on you. It's not that I ignore and say I have no problems at all. Guess what? I have no problems, none. Well, everybody knows you have this problem, <laughs> you know, because you've told them a hundred times, you know, so everybody knows. So it's not that we're not saying we have, we don't have problems, but we're learning in the middle of the problems to not let the problems have us and get in us. 
And so, uh, and it may not, the answer may not be for it to just stop and go away. There may be things at work that we don't even know what took place and what got that to happen. And, you know, the spirit realm has laws just as the natural realm has laws. The law of gravity that we have in this realm, there's laws. The law of sowing and reaping. There's laws. There's different laws uh, in, in the word of God that what you say you'll have. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's a law. You say something long enough, you'll reap the benefits of what you say, good and bad. And so that's a law. It doesn't change because I don't feel like it, it works. <laughs> it works. Ask my aunt when you get to heaven. Ask her, why'd you die at 79? Because she said she didn't want to be 80. And she, she was the healthy one. She was the healthy one. And so, you know, heart attack and, and out. Don't talk to me about my birthday. Don't talk to me about my birthday. I don't want to turn 80. I'm not turning 80. I don't want to turn 80. She had what she said. We have the other example. You know, our friend from uh, here who was at Raymond had a motorcycle accident. And what, what did Brother Hagen say? Brother Hagen said, spiritual laws were set into motion, and they cannot be changed at this time. And we all prayed, you know, praying, praying and all that. But he had said, I'm not going to live to be however old. I don't see myself being this old. And so that's a law. That's why it works every time. It's a law. And we have a choice. That's why. And he tells us what to choose. He instructs us on what to choose. So it may not be that, okay, I prayed. The problem's still there. Yes, but what are you doing in the midst of the problem? Now look at you. Stop looking at them. What are you doing that you can control? Okay, I'm leaning not to my own understanding. Father, I'm seeking you in all my ways. I'm not looking to the left or to the right, but I'm keeping my eyes focused on you. I'm doing what you tell me to do, and I know you'll take care of everything else. And you may have to say that 50,000 times before your heart believes it because you've not done that. We've not done that for so long, and so our heart goes, yeah, right. Tomorrow, you'll say something different. Your mind starts saying, the enemy, uh-huh, yeah. If there's just a little more pressure, uh, you'll say something different. And so that's why we don't see what we're standing for. Then we just dismiss it and go, I guess that didn't work. And then when we have another prayer request, we may not even say it. Or when we say it, we still we already have doubt because that didn't get taken care of. So now, I don't, and we have a whole year and year and year of pile-up unanswered prayer that we never, ever address. We just say, I don't know what happened. Maybe when I get to heaven, I'll find out. No, there are reasons. There are reasons why our prayers aren't answered. And it's on us as we grow to figure out why. And it's, we don't even have to figure it out. We can ask God, and he will show us and direct us to that. Every prayer that a believer prays in faith should be answered. God has an answer for it. But even when we say that, we go, mm, no. <laughs> the enemy doesn't want us to believe that. He wants us to believe he's all-powerful and he can stop anything. No, we can't. Not if we don't give him permission. Not if we don't give him opportunity. And so as we grow, these are things we can address. We become enabled to address why is this still happening? What door do I have open in my life? And I can tell you, he can only instruct us as far as we allow him to. So if we're struggling with something and, you know, we say, oh, I'm working on it. Okay, I'm working on it. All right, so what did you do to work on it today? <laughs> well, I'm just working on it. I'm a work in progress. Okay, so that work, that word work means effort. So what effort did you put towards that today? 
Like if I said, oh, I'm working on losing some weight. Well, how much weight are you trying to lose? Oh, just 10 pounds trying to lose. So what did you do today to work on it? Oh, I thought about it. I really thought about working, going to the gym. Did you go to the gym? Oh, no. Uh uh. When was the last time you were at the gym? Oh, three months ago. You are not working on anything. You're working on getting fatter, gaining more 10 pounds. You're not working on it. That's not working. <laughs> working is putting effort towards stopping or starting whatever it is. The Lord told you. So inactivity. When we go to conferences for different things, I go to conferences for uh, so building an online business. And so go to a conference, and man, they know how to pump you up. They put music, dance on the stage, woo got your pom-poms. You sit down, you're in there for three days, and you're so built up. And they have now a whole session on what to do when the fizz and the all that stops and you get home. And there's no pom-poms at home. And there's no person on your left or right encouraging you going, we got this. We're going to change the world. You know, our business is going to take off. We're going to have customers. There's none of that at home. No high fives. You know, there's nothing. There's just you and your computer. And they're like, and your, and your mind telling you, that person on my right had such a great idea. My idea doesn't seem, this is what happens when you get home, deflated. My idea doesn't seem like it's going to amount to anything. Does the world need another book on this? Do they need another class on this? Yet we were sitting there talking about how we're going to change the world for three days. They stirred us up to change the world with what we've got because you have value and you have voice. And, and then when we get home, we don't do nothing. So now there's another conference that you pay for to tell you how to take action on what you learn at the conference you just left. Now you're putting out all this money to learn. But when are you going to do something with it? Inactivity will stop the flow of God in your life. If he tells you to do something and you have not done any work towards that today, you stop the flow of the blessing of God in your life. Just as I stop the flow of any financial provision I can have from just putting on to put, sit down and do what they told you to do. <laughs> Make time and do it if it's important. And do it and release it and then see what happens. Then you could say it didn't work if it didn't work. But it will work if you do what you're supposed to do. But it's the same thing. You know, it, we get inactive and we, it's like paralyzed. You're paralyzed with fear of, I don't think this is going to work. And the, the enemy will put all kinds of things. And you're so comfortable with what you do, so comfortable with what you know. And this is stepping out into the unknown to actually do what God has told me to do. But on the other side of that, if we see what's on the other side of getting the work done and obeying God and what he has for us on the other side, oh, my goodness, we would have done it a long time ago. And it could be so small. It could be small steps to work on. And so uh, I encourage us to just grow up into him in all things and do that by letting him instruct us further, like it says in Psalms chapter 50. Amen. And so if I don't do, let's see, if I don't do what he shows me, I open the door to, I mean, we talked about that because it's sin and sin blocks the blessing. Sin blocks the blessing. The blessing's still there. I like what Nancy Dufresne said. She said, she was talking about something else and she said, you can sit, she was talking about like partaking. She said, if I ordered, it's Christmas time, we order, I don't know, every time the Amazon truck comes, it's for me. <laughs> On our street, Eric's like, now what? I'm like, nothing, never mind. <laughs> Go about your business. <laughs> He's like, now UPS, you know, we're waiting for our shirts to come for Sunday. So I'm over there checking tra tracking. It was in uh, uh, California. Now it's in New Jersey. I'm like, we might.
might have it for Sunday, you know. And so I'm checking. But the package comes, and I paid for it already. I paid for it. They hit my card sometimes two, three, four times, depending on the company. And you got to get that reverse. But, you know, they hit my card. It's mine. It belongs to me. But the UPS guy puts it outside or Amazon puts it outside. I can look through my window and go, oh, my package is here that I paid for. It's mine. But if I don't open the door, take a few steps, go out and get my package, it will stay on the porch. That's the blessings of the Lord. If I don't do my part, he can't do, I, I just, his hands are tied. He's already done everything. And so if I don't take that one step to him, he took 99 to me, take the one. Take the one, and that's learning and letting him instruct us so we can grow and increase in him. Amen? We grow and we increase in him. And so we don't drag our feet. Amen? We don't drag our feet because what happens when we do that, that inactivity or that disobedience begins to affect other areas of our lives. Areas that we once had victory in will now experience defeat in those areas. It just trickles into all parts of our lives. We don't want that. I don't want that kind of life. You know, now this is broke. Now that's What in the world? Things out of the blue that always work perfectly. How does this happen? Well, there's a door that's open, and it's disobedience. Partial disobedience by the mercy of God may get partial blessing. The mercy of God will give us, because partial disobedience is disobedience. Uh, partial obedience is disobedience. It's like, oh, it's a white lie or a black lie. Uh-uh, no. Uh-uh. It's a lie. <laughs> a lie is a lie is a lie. I don't care. There's no stages or levels of lies. There, it's just a lie. <laughs> and so partial disobedience, uh, partial disobedience is disobedience. But by the mercy of God, if we partially obey, sometimes we'll get partial blessing. <laughs> but I don't know about you, but I want the full, the full flow of blessing in my life. I want to obey. So I want, I don't want to forfeit that. I want to make sure my worship is, my heart's engaged in it. And when he's teaching me and instructing me in his way of salvation, he's instructing me further concerning the things that he has set aside just for you, just for me. And oh, what glorious things. Amen. What glorious things he has for us. Hallelujah. And so, we give ourselves to that word tonight. Amen? That's the word that has been in my heart. Just, just, <laughs> every time I sit down, okay, I get it, I get it. <laughs> and so I thank God for his instruction. I thank him that he can instruct us and, and we're growing and increasing in the knowledge of him. We want to have all that he has set aside and authored for us. Amen. Amen. All of it. I don't want some. I don't want some. You know, I don't like not enough. I like more than enough. I get nervous. We, we do, like, food and stuff for uh, people. When I, when I order food, we've had events. I'm that girl that, you know, we order stuff. And then I walk around. I'm like, did they get their first and seconds and thirds? You know, how are we doing? What's the food level like? Okay, good. We ordered enough. <laughs> you know, I don't like to see, oh, there's three cookies left and there's ten people. You know, I start to panic. Let me go to the store. You know, I just don't. I want more than enough. I would rather have 10,000 more than one short. 
<laughs> you know, I want to have more than enough. And he is the God who wants to give us. He wired us that way. And so we want all that he has for us. Amen. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you for your word. We'll get ready to give as we close tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is instruction for us. And we thank you, Father God, that you are instructing us, correcting us, guiding us, leading us as much as we want to be instructed, as much as we want to be corrected, as much as we want to be led and guided. You do it. <laughs> and so we thank you. We, we tell you we are willing and obedient to have that happen. We are so willing. Our hearts are so open to everything that you want us to have. And so we give honor and glory to you, Father, for the word tonight. We receive it with gladness. We allow it to take root in our hearts, Father God. And we know that the moment we leave out of here, the enemy is going to try to steal the word. We're not ignorant of his strategies. But, devil, we're in front of you. We're not letting go of the word of God. We let it get down into our hearts. We're going to meditate on it. And we're going to grow and increase in the knowledge of God. In Jesus' name. And as we give tonight, I thank you that we are blessed beyond measure. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you need an envelope, uh, Mr. Ivan can serve you tonight. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Don't forget Sunday. I'm excited about Sunday. On Sunday, it's our, it's really our Christmas service where we'll do our Christmas message and um, we'll do our ugly sweater contest after church. We have refreshments. Uh, we have our virtual pets. <laughs> we'll be voting on that. We have nine pets that entered this year. Yeah, Kingsley's got some competition this year. But I tell you, Kingsley looks so cute. I'm like, oh, he looks so cute still. And so uh, there's, there's nine that we'll be voting on. And then we'll be voting on the ugly sweaters. Wear, get creative. Wear your sweaters. Some like don't like to wear them. I don't care if you wear them during service. It's fine. Uh, if you want to bring them and change, that's fine too. Uh, and so come and be a part of uh, the service on Sunday, 10 a.m. And then uh, if you want to go caroling with us, we'll be going caroling um, at, uh, on Saturday at 4 p.m. And so we'll meet here at the church uh, probably around 345-ish, and then we'll head out and uh, go caroling just up the road to be there by 4. We'll probably spend an hour. Uh, don't forget the ladies' uh, group uh, ornament exchange, our Yankee Swap, on Saturday. This Saturday also at 10 o'clock right here. And so uh, come and make yourself available to those things. Don't forget our Christmas Eve service. We'll have some invites for you uh, on uh, Sunday that you can take and invite friends. Uh, it will just be one hour of Christmas songs and just edification. And so uh, we're excited about what God is going to do on Christmas Eve. God bless you. Thank you to those who joined us this evening and those who are